There are a lot of great books in the New Testament, but none of them quite do what the book of Hebrews does. It perfectly marries the Old Testament with the Gospels by showing the supremacy of Christ, and it also encourages believers not to abandon the faith. Though the author and the date that Hebrews was written is unknown, believers everywhere can be encouraged to run the race of unwavering faith and perseverance to the one who is far greater than the prophets, the law, and the angels combined. Join us as we take a hike through Hebrews. My name is Pastor Aaron. And I'm Pastor Leon. And we'd like to welcome you to Calvary's Compass. We are picking things up in chapter seven. Um, we talked uh, last time about a lot of stuff. Yeah. In chapter six, um, talking about you know Jesus and 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 how he is you know leading us and how we have to hear his voice. Right. right? And so um, um, we're going to try and cover all of seven today, um, and we'll see kind of where where it leads us. Um, and we're going to kind of give a little bit of history as well. Um, so that way we can kind of, um, understand fully what, what we're trying to say here. Um, so this particular verse in the Bible mentions, uh, a man, Mm -hmm. Melchizedek. And, um, this person has only been mentioned twice before in the old Testament, once in Genesis 14 and then once in Psalm 110. And so basically what happened was, and I'm not going to read it, but a little bit of a history lesson. Um, Abraham went to go fight some kings Mm -hmm. uh, and he won the battle. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, um, which some people say that's Jerusalem. Right. um, Others, you know, it's translated as king of righteousness. He comes and he is a priestly king. So he operates under priesthood and the kinghood. Which is odd. Which is odd. That doesn't ever happen. Doesn't happen. Right. And so, you know, um, he comes out and he brings bread and wine to Abraham. Communion. Communion. Mm -hmm. And he um, blesses Abraham. And so Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. Uh, that he has. Uh, this is the insta- the um, when the tithing becomes instated, right? right? And so they carry on the the tithing tradition um, with Levi- in the Levitical priesthood, and they would give a tenth of what they have to the church to support the the um, priests. But um, so, a, um, you know, I think I'm going to read that blessing um, actually from Genesis 14 mm-hmm. um, that that Melchizedek. Um, blessed Abraham with. So this is 14 verse 19 and 20. It says, And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of the heaven and the earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemy into your hands. So um, basically, he was he was blessing um, Abraham and blessing God by operating in this priesthood that you know, is a, is a kingly priesthood. And then in, um, Psalms 110, it it talks about what we, what we had read about, um, you being 
born into the um, order of Melchizedek, right? Not you, but Jesus being right. born under the line of Melchizedek, right. a high priest forever. Now, Melchizedek was this odd figure in the Old Testament because, um, and, and we're going to read it, but he didn't, no one knew where he came from. He didn't have a father and mother, and no one knew where he came from. Some say it's a type and shadow of Jesus. Christ, yeah. um, others say that it's just a person. Um, that's for what you know, you you interpret that however you want to interpret it, and we're not going to say either way because it's it's unsure. You know, we don't know if it's type and shadow or if it's or if it is just a regular person. But you know what we do know is Melchizedek apparently was an important figure in Abram's life. Who Abram was the was the founding father of the faith that we are now into, um, and so. Um, Basically, we're just going to start reading now, I think. Um, that was enough of a history lesson. Don't want to bore <laughs> bore people too much. But, you know, we had need a little bit of context there. It says, For this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. And to him, Abram appointed a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without a father or a mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of his spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received their priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithe from the people that is brought from their brothers. Though these also are descendants from Abraham, but this man who does not have his descendants for, from them received the tithe from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. Mm. One might say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So that's basically, again, a history lesson from the writer of Hebrews. Um, there's a couple things that I wanted to point out, though. It's talking about the inferior is blessed by the superior, right? And, and you know, that's pretty much what Christ did for us, right. you know? He is this kingly priest who offers blessings on our behalf, right? And we touched about a little bit, uh, kind of went off the beaten path, so to yeah. speak, about the return of Christ and various, and this is what it symbolizes when Jesus comes, he's going to bring peace yeah. in his return. Yes. And and so this, so Melchizedek, if I'm not saying it correctly. Melchizedek. Melchizedek, yeah. thank you. Uh, is, it is personifying Jesus the Christ. Yeah, he's foreshadowing, I think, mm -hmm. what, what Jesus is going to represent. Right. And the first time that Jesus came, he brought righteousness with him, right. which we understand that as not just right standing, but, but re-identification. Right. Right. It's a re-identification process. You know, um, through Melchizedek, Abraham was re-identified as blessed. Which Melchizedek means righteousness. Right. So if he's king, king you know, king of king righteousness. King of righteousness. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what Christ did for us as well. When he came the first time, he gave us our identity back. Thank you. 
Father. Yes. <laughs> he gave us who we are intended to be. Amen. And all we have to do is accept that and claim that. Mm. And and see, here's the thing, you know, um, when the Bible kind of talks about this adoption into, you know, the word ado- adoption here in our Western view is is different than the way that the Hebrew people res- understood it as, right? Adoption here, we think of it as a legal cause where they sign legal documents and all that stuff. Right. Whereas what they had presumed it to be is this re-identification and injection of the Father's DNA into us. So now our DNA matches God's DNA. And so when Jesus came, he brought righteousness with him, which is the re-identification, meaning he gave us his DNA, right? right? So that way we can be like God on the earth. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we are part of his family, not not by signing papers, but by blood now, right? Because now it's his blood that is coursing through our veins, not our own. So, you know, um, this is what Jesus brought, and he's bringing peace. You know, he's already started establishing peace. We just have to start unleashing it from our life now. You know, peace is not just, you know, oh, I feel at peace, but peace, shalom, is restoration, Right. We, we think of peace, you know, as like, OK, I'm free of worry, free of anxiety. Yes, that's true. That's surface level of peace. True definition of Hebraic peace, shalom, is complete and total restoration. Yeah. You know, uh, when you're dealing with righteousness, you know, my mind goes to Ephesians 4 where it talks about that we're to put off old, our old self, yeah. the former manner of life and its corruption and deceitful desires. And it talks about how uh, we're to renew the spirit of, of our mind and, and to put on a new self yes. created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Mm. So so our, the Bible talks about how righteousness is like filthy rags. So so there are things that we cannot carry into what, what our relationship is when it comes to our righteousness compared to Christ's righteousness in Melchizedek bringing righteousness is something that we are to come under and that's why uh, Abram had to pay tribute to Melchizedek because he was surrendering an offering and and coming under and the joining. blessing right. right of when there when there is a covenant a lot of times there's a transition yes they give an exchange yeah and, and this, and so Abram went in part of the covenant. You know, we we talked yes, about this. Yes. But this is also in an exchange in a physical form that he right. understood, that he gave. Yes. And that's why we come to church. We give our our money, our things, our time, talent, treasures. Ours is an exchange. I'm giving this as an exchange. It's just continuating a natural covenant that we understand. And right, notice that Abraham didn't give because he was forced to. Right. He give he gave because. He desired to. Yeah. Right. And so I, when I was growing up, you know, and I know that you did, you know, you, 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 you taught me the best that you know how, but yeah. now we see both, we both see things differently. You know, you have to give a tithe. You have to do this. You have to do that. You know, and sometimes I didn't want to. Right. Now that I'm in relation with God for myself, I don't just feel like I have to. It's that I want to give him. Exactly. You want to advance God's kingdom. Right. And and like, you know, again, tithe isn't just, I mean, Abraham gave a tithe of everything that he had, not just money. He's talking about livestock. Mm-hmm. He's talking about produce. He's talking about everything. And so, you know, we have to give God, not that we have to, that, that we should, I'm going to rephrase that. We should want desire to. Yep. to give God 
a tenth of everything that we have. Yeah. Like our life. Let's live it to to please God and to bless God. Well, you know, this podcast wasn't is not steered towards tithing, but it seems like the Holy Spirit's going that direction, so we're gonna ride this train. Yeah. But in Second Corinthians chapter nine, six and seven, and the ESV translation talks about this. It says that the point is this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse seven says each one must give as he has decided in his heart. There's the key. Yeah. If so, if you're in church and somebody says, I need a, I need 10 people to give $100 and God and I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to prophesy over you and I'm going to release God's blessings over you. But you, you won't get it unless you give. Right. That's false. That's false. And that's a purchase. Yeah. Guess what? There's things that have already been purchased for you that you yeah. don't have to buy into. Yep. Jesus did that. Yep. OK. The righteous one. Right. And think about this. Jesus paid the ultimate price correct ultimate tithe for all of us so mm-hmm. technically 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 if you want to get down technically if we want to get technical we don't have to tithe right it's not part of our our covenant with him anymore but we can choose to be but a we part choose, of a covenant right we choose to continue to not because not out of obligation right but out of relation well let's finish here in this passage right here in second corinthians 9 yeah, yeah, yeah. so i'll reread seven so each one must give as he's decided in his heart not reluctantly or on a compulsion or meaning forced for god loves a cheerful giver right so my giving is not because i feel like it's an obligation my giving, as you said prior, is because I love God and I want to support everything that God is doing in his kingdom, whether it be here at Mount Calvary, whether it be there in another pastor, uh, under another pastor in another church, whether it be um, supporting someone within the church, outside of the church, whatever the case may be, we're advancing God's kingdom. Right. And wherever God leads you to advance God's kingdom, I mean, let's, fa- let's face it, if people don't support their ha- the house that they're getting fed from, which the Bible talks about that, right. then, you, you know, the light's got to get on you, you want to come you don't want to come in with no lights no heat you know right, what i mean right you, there, there's things that you got to have continually going and that's right. why you know when you look reading the old testament they brought in their tithe and then they when when it came to the point where um um you know moses you know god told moses to encourage people to bring and to give and they gave and brought so much that moses says and you won't hear this in church now moses says quick quit giving we don't we don't have any more room Right. For what you're bringing in, you got to stop. You'll never hear a church say that. Wouldn't it be awesome to be that church and say, you know what? We have met our needs. Now it's time to focus what you're bringing into other people's needs mm. around us beyond our church. That would be awesome. See, that's what it has to come to. Right. And I think this is where advancing the kingdom, it's not building your own kingdom. It's still advancing God's kingdom. And when we think kingdom minded, it's not just inwards, it's always outwards. Right. And, and, and so this giving, this Melchizedek, the giving, the king of Salem, the king of Jerusalem, the priest, the most high God, he, he is, this is, this is the metaphor, the symbolic measure of what we are to bring and what we, he is receiving. He is peace. We're looking for peace, but he gives us the peace because he's paid for it. Right. And, 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 and it's not transactional in that if you pay for it, then you get peace well, right that's what our notice, society yeah, is yeah no, notice that abraham became blessed first mm-hmm. then he gave gave mm-hmm. not right? you give to get blessed right he gave because he was blessed not cuz he had to not because he had to but because he wanted to right. and if you're if you're sitting here 
and saying, well, you know, I don't want to give. I don't want. That's that's fine. Don't. Don't keep your money. We've don't. even said it in our church. Don't give because you feel like you got to. If you feel like you got to, keep your money. Yes. God doesn't want it. He'll right. use it even with your in, in your, yeah. your even with your time. Like say church has a a cleanup day and you're regretting going up to mm-hmm. help clean. Don't come. Don't come. You know if you're doing it out of guilt or doing it out with a regretful you know or forced to do it forceful, because you feel guilty because right. of it. That's not what God's wanting. You should, as a follower, and mm-hmm. I'm speaking speaking to myself as well. Yeah. You know we should always come into God's house cheerfully. Yeah. If you're coming to church just to punch in and punch out, don't come. That's why, you know, somebody has asked me in church, they said, well, you know, you should be calling people more and encouraging the country. Yeah, I can do that. And I do do it from time time to time. But I do also want people who want to come to church and not feel like they're forced, guilt tripped to be in church. I'm not going to get trip people to come to the house of God. You should want to come right. to God's house and be a part of what God is doing and support the movement that God is doing within this house. Because check this out. On the day of Pentecost, mm-hmm. when they were all up in the upper room, the Correct. 120 of them, 120. it says they were all in one mind and one, and one accord. accord mm-hmm. Right? So when we have people coming in here with different accords and mm-hmm. different minds, right? You know, who, who really don't want to be here. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm, you know, it, it, I'm I'm trying to phrase this properly without offending. You know, we can always add it, edit it. Yeah, so just go ahead and say it. If we don't, right, you'll like, never hear it. If you, if we, <laughs> right, right. And so here's the thing: like, if 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 people are coming to church out of obligation okay. instead of out of relation, yeah, you know, God is only going to take us so far. Mm-hmm. You know, and and just like with the Israelites in the wilderness who were wandering into the promised land, yeah, a generation had to die out in order for them to inherit the promise. Yeah. Right? The people who didn't really want it, the people who had one foot back in Egypt, you know, they they in a sense held back a whole generation a movement, a whole movement from entering into the right. promised land. Right. And so people who who come to church out of religious obligation because I don't want to go to hell. Mhm. Hold back the Spirit of God from moving in the capacity that He so desires to move. Now, I want to bring a little bit of balance to that because um, I, I I fully agree with what you're saying. I just want to add some extra thoughts. Yeah. Because um, I think there are some things that are out of obligation. And right. it's not that sometimes you feel like you have to, but you know you feel it's real responsibility to. So there's a difference Right. Being obligated because, you know, this is a responsible way of a Christian walk. This is responsible. You know, it's like it's not like you're having a joy to pay your bills, but you're responsible to pay your bills. Right. You follow what I'm saying? So there are some incidents where there are people who come to church out of obligations, not because they feel like they're forced to. Right. It's because it's their responsibility to. Right. And therefore, doesn't change their heart's motive. Correct. It just changes the viewpoint of the motive. Right. Because there's going to be mornings where you're going to wake up and you're going to feel tired. Yeah. And I'm not talking about that. No. Right. Right. I think what we're trying to hit as hit on is, you know, if you're if you're sitting there. If, if we got to beg you to come to church exactly. and beg you to do these things, don't bother. Exactly. You know what I mean? And we're not saying we don't we want we don't need help or we don't need to want to use you. It's just saying it, it's just it's work for you just as much as work for us. Right. And, 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 and as ministers of the gospel as we are, we're pastors in this church, 
you know, we want a flow with the Spirit of God. Yeah. We want everybody to be in one mind and one heart to go forward in the yes. Spirit. And and with that being said, as we're moving forward in the Spirit, we 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 encourage people to be on the same playing field as as where we all desire to be. Right. And and you know, it's all you know. Ever been at work and always that one person that always they don't want to be at work. They know they got to be at work. And they rather not work when they're at work, and, mm-hmm. it, and you got to pull their load on you and with your load, yeah. and it makes more work for you. Right. And, and so I don't want anyone to sit there and listen to us and say, "Well, he, they are saying that we shouldn't just go to church if we don't feel like it." No, that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. We're saying if if you feel you have to be coerced, and you need phone calls to remind you why you need to go to church, then that why why bother. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, and I'm, I'm going to re-specify, we're not talking to the people that wake up and feel tired and feel like, oh man, today I just don't want to go. We're not speaking to those people, right? We're speaking to the to the people that, that feel, I'm trying to, and I'm trying to. Pressured, pressured and guilted. Yes, and guilted. You know, one of the, okay, I was speaking to one of our uh, members in the church and they were wanting to get involved in a particular ministry and, you know, you know, and I, you know, they pretty much said, pastor, if you need to help, why didn't you say? And, you know, one of the things that I tell people and it's like, you know, I know what it feels like to be involved in a ministry and it no longer feels like a ministry. It feels like a job. Yeah. I, I mean, I've served under ministries. I've served under pastors where I, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just waiting for this to get over with so I can go about my business. And, and, and so um, I don't ever want anybody to feel like. Uh, they're stuck doing something they don't want to do or they're guilted for doing right. something they don't want to be right. a part of. Right. I want it to be a natural thing where they feel God pulling on their heart, the Holy Spirit pulling on their heart to be involved in something. And when I, nine times out of 10, when somebody comes to me and say, Pastor, this is what I feel, I pretty much let allow them to process that feeling to move forward in right. it. Because this is what where their passion, God has put a passion in them to fulfill something. And if there's no passion... Look, there's times I come to church as a minister and I, you know, I feel it's my responsibility, but I never not want to be in church. I, I look forward every time when I know the doors open because I want, I'm excited to see what God right. get ready to do. Right. Well, well, that's your, that's your job. You should be excited. No, if I'm not a pastor, I would still be just as excited. Exactly. If I was just as a common church goer and not a part of a um, high team ministry. Right, right. I would still be excited if I know God's moving. Because here's the thing that I think the church has kind of skewed, you know, to salvation. And I'm gonna kind of talk about that. You know, it's that when we invite people to church, right, and we preach the salvation message, right, we make it seem like it just stops there once you're once you come in you say the prayer you're good you're gonna get to heaven just continue coming to church and pay your tithes and then you'll get there right and and that's kind of created this culture of unexpectancy you know where where you know you come to church and you're like okay well i'm just gonna punch in punch out i've reached my pinnacle of salvation exactly so anything else but exactly wait. and so that's the wrong concept and the wrong mentality you know that's that's the starting place. You know, there's this whole path in front of us that God wants us to explore. Mm-hmm. We're at the door mm-hmm. of this amazing place 
that God wants us to go into and 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 explore and find new places and 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 find new streams and find new fruit where and and we're neglecting to do that because well I've checked all the boxes I'm going to heaven that's all that matters to me and so when when we have that mentality you know there are churches out there that are fine with that mm. you know but yeah. there's a select group of few who want to go into the deep places and and you know we we want to venture into all of the goodness of the land that God has set before us and so you know we have to see Christianity not as a quick fix diet but as a lifestyle change right right where we go under into uncharted territory go into places that no man has ever been before and we experience a new part of God and so you know we do this though by being in one mind and one accord and so we have to come into church with an expectancy of experiencing something. We talked about this last podcast, an expectancy of experience what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard nor mind comprehended. And so that's kind of what Jesus wants us to experience. You know, he, he, he is the King of righteousness, the King of peace, which is restoration, right? You know, he, he restored us. He gave us our identity back. And then he gave this this whole land that we can go and explore, but we're still at the surface. We're excuse me, we're still at the entry point, and we think that that's good enough. There's there's got to be more. I mean, there's something that that you said triggered, I believe, um, some things about the depth of God right. and how God is moving. You know, my mind goes to Genesis chapter one, where it says, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness mm-hmm. was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Yes. And not only was it a natural sense that we believe how, you know, God evolved in all these things, the, 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 what was been created. Uh, but we also understand that the symbolic aspect of darkness and, and surface, there are surface levels that contain darkness. Yeah. And and there's some things that God is saying that we are having to go deeper. We have to go deep into this to the presence mm. of God. The waters. Remember we were talking about yeah. a couple podcasts ago, we're talking about ankle deep, you know, knee, knee deep, deep, waist, waist deep. deep. This is the depthness that God is saying. And look, that spirit of the Lord is hovering. There's mm. a ho- God is uh, God is hovering over this land. The yeah. the man, I I just feel I mean, prophetic here on this thing. God is hovering, hovering over the land. There are things that He's about ready to break open. Yeah. Just like when Noah built an ark, and the, and the, He broke open the, the rain, earth. but the yeah. earth was broken open to release more water. Yeah. And 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 thus there is a breakening of a flood of the Spirit of God. Yeah. We keep hearing in the, in our prayer times revival, revival, yeah. revival. And I, we're in that breaking opening. Not only if the windows of heaven are open, but God's unearthing some deep things within the ground. That people have tilled and labored mm. and planted, and we're going to reap things that we have not planted in the spirit. Right. There's people that have sowed things generations generations ago. ago that we're getting ready to see with our own eyes, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. Right. 
And we're in that transitional moment. Think about it. When the Israelites entered into the promised land, it was a land that has already been inhabited. Yep. Right? So therefore, people had already planted provisions for them. Yes. And they yes. were just reaping the harvest yes. of other people's provisions that they had planted. Well, even when they went into the promised land, they never labored in that land, but they're enjoying the fruits of somebody else's labor. Mm-hmm. And this promise, you know, we and I, and this is what I, I may I don't know how you're hearing God on this one, but this is what how I'm hearing God is. We're in that season of the return of the Lord. Yeah. I mean, we are, I believe in this season, the day of mm-hmm. the Lord. That's what I keep hearing, the day of the Lord. We're in that season of the day of the Lord. And, and so being that we're in that season, we don't know if it's a, a, what we've come to know, his return, or right. is it the Holy Spirit releasing revival in this return? We're not sure specifically because we're not going to limit God in our interpretations, yeah. but we're going to just hold on to his word. <clears throat> revival, it, we're, we've already crossed that threshold. Yeah. We're there. Yep. And for people to say, oh, revival is getting ready to come. No. That's negligent. We're here. We're here. We're in that land. You can either um, you can either enter into the land with the rest of the people yep. or you can die out in the wilderness. Yeah. And waiting for the treading of the waters. Yeah. You're, the waters has already been broken. Yes. And we have to access that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like I said, it's in front of us. Like I, when I'm saying this, I can literally picture us standing at the at the entrance of the precipice of, of a new land that yes. has, that needs to be discovered mm. and, and, and new ground, you know, new produce, new, yeah. new things that, that God has in store for us. And just this luscious Valley of green and, 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 and we have an obligation. Yeah. Right. To go into those places and explore places that nobody's been before. May I, project a, a word that calls a demand is responsibility yeah i think it's as a believer a child of god we have that responsibility to journey this path it, where we have yet to have seen and yet to have heard and we're going to see with our own eyes and i believe that we're in that season of seeing the coming of the lord now we don't know the day or the hour but we are recognizing the signs of the times and so when we look around and see, you know, rumors of war and, you know, all these things going on that's around the earth, these are everything pointing for his return. Yeah. Yep. And we believe, and I know it's crazy, but we believe that he's not coming to replace the earth of he- in heaven. He's coming to restore earth in heaven. To its original intention. And like yeah. we said the last time, and I'm bold enough to say it again, that when it talks about the new Jerusalem, that's Jesus's return. Yeah. That's his return yep. in Revelations 21. Yep. And, and I know it goes against a lot of the grain, but this is what and, and the Bible says, he that have an ear, let him hear. This is what we're hearing in the Holy Spirit. We're yep. not sitting under people and somebody feeding us this information. We're hearing the Spirit of God like many, many, many are. And there are pockets of people that are diving in and, and we got to be the remnant. We got to be a part of a movement. This is right. a in order movement. for there to be a change, there has to be a change in the way that you believe. Correct. And and if we continue on the same belief system that we have been, it's not been working. It hasn't been working. It's not been working, and we have to, we have, we have to, yeah. Say it. There has to be a paradigm shift. There it is. Right. And explain so, that. Yeah, a, a paradigm is a model, mm-hmm. an example, and and for too long the church has had this paradise that's been a paradigm that's been set in stone 
right? And 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 we've we've built things and established things that 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 we believe to be rock solid. Yeah. But but what we don't realize is we have covered up what was alive and what was living and replaced mm. it with something of stone. Mm. And God wants to break off everything that man has built. Every piece of concrete and cement that man has put up on the pillars and the walls of the living church, God wants to break that down, and he wants his church to be alive again. And so there must come a paradigm shift, a shift in our models and behaviors, a shift in the way that we perceive things. You know, and, and this, is, this is why it's so important for the church to, to the church people to come into church with an expectancy Come on. of seeing what no eye has seen, hearing what no ear has heard, and perceiving new revelation from heaven that nobody's ever perceived before. So I want to enter, also jump on this because as you were talking, I kept hearing the Holy Spirit tell me Genesis 26, Genesis 26. So I went to Genesis 26, and my eyes scrolled down to verse 18. Listen to this. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in that time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. That's so, restoration. That's restoration. But you got to be willing to get the shovel in your hand and redig a well that's there. Right. It, the water's there. You just got to dig it back up. Mm. And this is what God is trying to bring the church to do. There have been wells that's been covered up by man yep. with these rules and all this stipulation and regulation Dogma. and yep. systematic things that we have to check box in order for things to happen. Yeah. Let me tell you something. God's going to, I'm going to be bold to say it, but God is a kind of God who he, he will bring in a drug addict dealer save them in a matter of a moment and they start preaching and pastoring a church and that would go beyond and in a matter of moments i'm not talking about years of going through the process of being restored in public eye who the heck cares right if god put if god's changed your heart and they got enough zeal to do it move aside move mm. aside because we're in a moment that things have to change on a dime right this is that paradigm shift you're speaking about. This is redigging wells. This is what God has opened up that we've covered up. We've covered up living waters enough. Right. It's time to redig them and let it just burst from the earth. Right. And that goes with the Melchizedek thing about yeah. the 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 king who brings righteousness and peace. That's yeah. the restoration. Restoration. And 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 it's crazy. We we we've been on this boat for what the last couple podcasts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just the way that the Holy Spirit has led us. But there's this restoration that is coming. And, you know, those of us who are on board, you know, are going to experience something amazing. But we have to, we have to follow God into uncharted territories, territories that seem completely different environments that, that aren't what we're used to climates that Mm -hmm. that we don't particularly have any dealings with before right and so you know there's a level of exposure i think that god's going to bring to the church that's going to expose us to a new level of glory that we have never experienced before but it all happens when we are in one mind and one accord 
and I'm and I'm piggybacking on this thought that you're just saying, because when you look at the Israelites when Moses was leading the people, you know restoration. Yeah. Okay. We're, let's let's focus on this restoration. God wanted to restore the nation of Israel. You know, they're in the land of Egypt. They were under bondage. There were a lot of things that were happening. There were people that were born and people who died in bondage never knew what freedom was like. So, you know, this was a time that Joseph, they, no one, even the Pharaoh didn't know who Joseph was, the Bible spoke of. But when they're praying for God to heal their land and restore them, they're, you know, like church today, we're thinking, God, just zap us, change it for us, and let us enjoy what you've done. Not not so, because there are some things that we have to get involved in, in the natural. Now, we know works don't save you, but faith without works is dead. Right. So there has to be an activation on our part, a step forward in faith on our part to see the things that God is doing. So the Israelites, they had to get up, pack their things, eat their last meal in bondage in order to walk towards freedom. Right. Those that were in freedom couldn't enjoy freedom because they were still stuck in the mindset of Egypt. Right. God had to get rid of Egypt out of the out of the nation. Which Egypt represents work, work toil, toil. Right, and and um, let's just jump back into yeah, Hebrews here because this is going to tie in. I think. Yeah. Now, if perfection had been attained what through verse? the uh, verse eleven, oh, thank you. Now, if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood, Come on. for under it the people received law. Mm-hmm. What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change of the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. There you go. So, so, so get this. The, the, the laws that man has institutionalized here. Though at the time it was institutionalized... It had means and purpose, but right. it's now been skewed after generations. Right. The, 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 the heart passion has been lost. Correct. God is 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 changing mm-hmm. the model. Yeah. He's breaking the hard fallow ground. Has to. He has to. And, and and so this law that we have been under of work and toil and strive and 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 keep on coming to church to experience the same thing that you did last Sunday for no apparent reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, God is breaking that paradigm yep. and, and, and offering now in this season a new paradigm for us to live under. Mm-hmm. Now we have to be cautious not to do the same thing to the next generation, what the previous generation did to us. Right. Which is calcify those things and make it make it uh, a pillar of a foundational thing of faith. No, this is for a season. Right. My mind goes to when the plagues was released, the snakes, because of <laughs> disobedience of the Israelites, the snakes were released and they bit every, every person that was in disobedience. Remember that? Yeah. And what happened, God told Moses to create a bronze and snake, which is representation Type and shadow of, of Christ, Christ on the cross. Put it on a put on a staff and raise it up. Anybody who looked, looked on it, at it was received healing. So so that movement that happened of mass healings, okay. What did they do? They put it in the temple. They worshipped it along with God. We cannot worship past moves. Thank God for the move. And this is what we find in church today. Remember, 
and Azusa Street. This happened here. What a great movement. Let's just keep that symbolic. Let's yes. let's let's memorialize this whole movement. God was that was a great moment in that time. And in I've history. heard people say, "Man, if we could just go back to those I days." Don't and, want to. No, I know no. It's, people don't understand when I say this and you say this. That movement was awesome for that moment. God has a movement for this moment. Yeah. And in Azusa Street, and I dare I say, it's limiting a move of God. Yeah. When you're now wanting the same thing. Right. And and think about this. Too much of a good thing is a bad thing. When you have your body needs calcium yeah. to live. Right. Too much calcium calcifies your blood, making your blood flow be restricted. Mm-hmm. Right? So too much of a good thing mm-hmm. can result in something devastating. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Jesus said that that you cannot have two leavens in the same Correct. loaf, right? You cannot have the leaven of Herod or the leaven of, of the Pharisees, right? right? Which is the leaven of the law and the leaven of politics. Right. So we have to we have to completely clear our plate of everything. Okay, think about it like this. When you go to a fancy restaurant, mm-hmm. we've been to cruises. Yes. We've been to fancy restaurants. We've been to fancy restaurants. Yeah. We've been to cruises. They, some fancy restaurants have a menu laid out for you yeah. and say, this is the order of the course of meal. Right. We'll bring out the first one and then we'll take it away. Yeah. And then bring out something better and then take it away. And it's not all at one time. These Correct. are progressive sittings. It's they don't bring a lot of it. They bring you enough to taste for your palate to taste it. Right. That you're not a fool, but you're progressively going through the meal, right? In a small sum, so to speak. And it's it's not a buffet. No, it's not. That's we're so used to engorging. Right. That we that God wants us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Exactly. Every step of the way. Exactly. In this progression, this, it's a multi-course meal. Yeah. And it's not an all one setting. Mm. Oh, we, I just can't wait for the Holy Spirit to move again in a mighty way. Well, God is moving in a way you don't recognize. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Mm. This is, and, and he that have an ear, let him, does that mean you, you're the only one that hear? No. God has many people. Look, like I, I was speaking to someone this morning before I came here to the to the church to podcast with you. And I was saying that God wants everybody to hear. It's just not everybody's choosing to listen. Yeah. He wants everybody to. We hit this, the last podcast where he talks about, he wanted everybody to go up to the mountain. But they said, well, Moses, you go up and speak to God for us. And you come back and tell us what we need to know. And that's in today's church right now. Yeah. Pastor, you preach God, God's word. Let us hear it. And then we'll make that decision if we like it or not. Right. And that is a wrong mentality. When it comes to the house of God, we have to not only receive a word, but from the pastor, but, but be willing it. to follow yeah. into the next promised land and be willing to receive a word for yourself. Right. If I can just look, oh, I can't, I can't wait for a preacher and so-and-so to come to church because I need a word from God. If mm. they can just speak over me or call me out. Mm. Or prophesy over me. If I can just get in that prayer line and they prophesy over me, I know God's going to speak. Well, how about this? What happens when God shuts up the the man or woman of God and you don't get a word at all? How are you going to live? Mm. We got to hear God for us. In this day and age, it is 
those who have an ear to hear. And, and, and remember with Ezekiel, and God was taking him to the mountain, and he's, he heard the thunder, the lightning, and all this thing going on, and God wasn't in all that movement. Elijah? Yeah, excuse me, Elijah. I was yeah, thinking of another. Elijah, thank you. And God wasn't in all that movement, but it was in the still, small voice that God was in. And this is what's happening now. We're looking for the light shows. We're looking for the healing lines. We're looking for the tent revivals. We're looking for who's the next man or woman of God that's going to just be a bit not the next Benny Hinn, Catherine Cool, and A. A. Allen, or Roberts. Uh, we're looking for the next Billy, Billy Graham. Graham. No, God is needing people of God mm. to branch out of churches, out into the marketplaces. That we are hitting people one on one. You are the evangelist. You are the healer. You are the prophesier. You are the prophet in your nation. Go out and express the the word the word of the Lord. And yes. Express what God is saying. Express what God is doing. And 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 don't wait on the preacher to do it for you. Don't wait on the next man or woman of God to stand up on the pulpit to call you out to get a confirmation of a word. You hear God for you. Go. Right. And the next movement is going to be from people that you least expect it to. Exactly. Check this out. Verse 13. Yeah. For the one of whom these things are to be spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it's evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with the tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Mm. Judah wasn't known as a, as a, as a, a tribe of priests, the Levites were. Right. Judah was a tribe of praise. So the priesthood of Jesus came from the lineage of people who were praisers. Mm. Judah. Judah. Mm. Not priests. Mm. Praise. And so here 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 here's the thing. There's going to be a moment where the people in the congregation outshine the one on the pulpit mm. where you go out and you win the souls, you win the lost. Yeah. It's on you, not the, the, the minister. And so we have to go with God, venture into the place of, of, of what no eye has seen, no ear has heard. And then the church goer takes it out into the streets right. and starts witnessing and starts taking the fire and taking the torch from the house and putting it out into the world. And I think we hit on this last podcast or so um, in, in Acts where it talks about when they went from house to house. Yes. And then and then when they all came to church, the church added in one day 3,000. And I think this is where we're at. I mean, I mean, and I, and I respect where I come from in my denomination and various things of that nature. But I want to say this respectfully. There's no cookie cutter in church growth. In a lot of denominations today, they go on this, you know, how do we get you out of this slump and get you into church growth? Methods are great, but what's greater is following the heart of God and equipping the people to, to do the things that are necessary to be done. You know, God may not call a certain church to be running thousands. Right. You mean God may be calling uh, your church to be something specific, and it may not be hundreds. Right. It, it means that you empower the people that come under your your tutelage, and you yes. prepare them for the work God's called them to do, and they go out and win the thousands. Right. And that's okay. It really is okay. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, we have to 
be willing though to go into those places and 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 equip those who need to be equipped but it all starts with us aligning ourselves under the blessing yeah of the one who has descended from Melchizedek which yeah. is Jesus right right he is the priest after the order of Melchizedek so meaning he is going to bless us and equip us to go out and 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 harness a revival yeah praise god that no man has ever seen before but it all starts uh, as well with us coming into the house with an expectancy to experience what no eye has seen ear has heard and that's the purpose of why we come to church that is our responsibility beyond obligation is that our desire is to come to church to receive equipment by the spirit of god yes to confirm the things that we already feel and we go out and we do the things he's called us to right, do as right, his people. Right. And so, yeah. So the priesthood after Melchizedek. You know, we didn't finish chapter 7 today. We stopped around verse 15. We'll pick that up um, in the next podcast. But, you know, we covered a lot of ground today. I mean, from giving. And I know it's weird we've been hitting on that quite a bit. But it, it deals with it here, you know, giving of your time, talents. Because it ties into winning the harvest. Not financially, but you doing your part out in the field, you giving of yourself to witness the kingdom of God to the people who need it. And so that's that's really what it's all about. You know, we have to come to church with an expectancy, go out to our jobs with an expectancy to see what no eye has seen, to hear what no ear has heard. And it's going to come from us. It's going to come from people who you least expected. But we want to thank you for tuning into Calvary's Compass. If you like what you heard, share us on Facebook. Check us out on Facebook, Mount Calvary Church of God. Check us out on our website, mountcalvarycog.com. God bless, and we'll see you next week. See ya.